Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. As you know, I'm Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited to be here today with Hannah Gilbert. How are you, Hannah? Hello. Hi. Hi, Brian. It's so good to see you. Um, and uh, Hannah is, I, I, I have to tell you this, Hannah. Um, usually when I pull up graduation dates, um, I'm like, oh yeah, that's exactly when they graduated. But when I pulled yours up, I was like, it seems like just yesterday, Hannah, that I was watching you play basketball here at Cal Poly. And so I was shocked that you were a 2017 graduate of our program. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It flies. It's it's weird to be on the receiving end as well. It's like, oh my gosh, it was five years ago. Going on six. Yeah, well, see, it's just so weird because the pandemic like did this like messed up thing with time, right? So I feel like time is like uh, none of us have a sense of time anymore, you know? Oh, yeah. But I am super excited for everyone to get to hear from Hannah today. Hannah is doing something that is incredibly cool and incredibly fun, and we'll get to hear all about it. She is currently the technical project manager at 20th Century Studios and Searchlight Searchlight Pictures. And so those of you who are movie buffs will know that uh, uh, that Avatar 2 uh, was uh, was was put on by um, by Hannah's studio and, and Searchlight Pictures. And so um, we're going to get to talk all about that. Hannah was in the credits and um, I saw I, I saw a recent post that she made on LinkedIn and I was like, oh, my God, that's so cool. I got to talk to Hannah. And so uh, super excited to get there, Hannah. Let's um, let's go back, though, and, and get to know you a little bit better. Uh, tell us where you're from. All right. Well, first, thank you so much for having me on. Um, It's really excited to be here. And I always love anything that has to do with Cal Poly. So thank you for the opportunity to be on. Absolutely. Um, So I grew up, I've stayed pretty local. So I was Cayucas. I was a Cayucas um, Morro Bay kid. I thought Um, you were, Hannah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Local star. I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's where I spent the most amount of my childhood was between Cayucas and Morro Bay. We would bounce back and forth. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, local, local kid. And then, you know, went straight to, uh, Cal Poly from there. Yeah. Nice. And, um, and no, the pe- people can't see it, but um, but uh, Hannah has a ha- Hannah has waves in the background on her on her Zoom background uh, with me today. So uh, so I know you grew up by the beach. Tell us what your tell us what your what your parents did growing up. Yeah. So my mom, she was really into real estate. My whole family is into real estate. Oh. Um. So I grew up. My mom was a single mom. She was really, I, I as a kid, I got to see her really like, like the grind. You hear that? Oh, I got yeah. to witness it firsthand. It was very inspiring. It's one of the reasons why I work so hard today is because I've watched my mom like set a goal mm-hmm. and accomplish that, especially like women in the workforce. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she started with being just kind of a, I don't want to say it was a secretary because it was way more than that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but now she's worked her way up the ranks and she's now the vice president of the Scenic Coast Association of Realtors. So Essentially, when you're a real estate agent, you buy, it's almost like a membership, but it's a bit more hoity-toity. I don't mm-hmm. think if any real estate agents are listening, I apologize if I'm butchering this de- uh, description, but <laughs> essentially you buy like a membership that gives you access to all of the databases that house, you know, for sale, lease, pending, all of that. So she mm-hmm. manages that database. 
huh. um, for everyone that's on like the tip of the central coast. So like Cambria all the way down. And she just is now working in slow too. So that whole kind of section. Really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, shout out to mom. That is, that is really cool. Tell us any siblings or. Yeah, I have one um, younger brother, Colton. Yeah. He actually goes to Morabay High. Oh, cool. um, he's a junior. He just Ooh. got his license. His oh, name boy. is Bubba. I'm sure he's loving that. I'm telling people that. Nah. Um, but yeah, I have one little brother. Uh, he's obsessed with the surf as much as I am. Um, usually it's hard to get a hold of him because he's in some form of water. So the ocean, nice. he's on the polo team. So Nice. Yeah. Nice. Very cool. Um, well, that is, that is awesome. Um, and, and shout out to Bubba there. <laughs> uh, oh, Bubba, yeah. Bubba, I know all about it. My family has a Bubba in it. Um, and it was just that the little kids could not say brother. And so they said Bubba and that's where it came from. Probably oh. not the case, probably not the case with you, but, uh, <laughs> he was, he was a little chunker. His name was Colton. He was a really chubby baby. And we were, I was kind of a, a chubby kid too. And so it was just like, uh, like it just kind of stuck like Bubba. Like it just yeah. sort of stuck. Yeah. Um, I love it. That yeah. is cool. Yeah. That's cool. So, so growing up, you know, obviously uh, I've, I've, I've buried the lead here on this one. I mean, you were, you were um, a, a varsity athlete at, at Cal Poly. Um, so obviously I know you, you've, you've already said you were into, you were into the surf. So you were, you were into the ocean. Um, and obviously we know sports. Um, what else, what, what else were you, you into growing up? I was honestly into anything that got me outside and that was active. Um, I like exploring. I like learning new things. That was huge. Um, so I, and my mom was really, really supportive on me trying a lot of things. So I did swimming, volleyball, soccer. I did t-ball for a little bit. I did That's horseback cool. riding. Um, I did like junior guards. So as long as it was outside uh -huh. and moving, I was pretty obsessed, but I remember there was also a phase. I think it was like maybe kindergarten to like third grade. I was obsessed with spy stuff. Ah. So like I would, I think maybe because I don't know if you've ever watched Spy Kids. Yes. That movie. Yes, yes, yes. I was oh, obsessed yeah. with Spy Kids. So I, okay. I was a spy and like would like uh -huh. crawl around the neighborhood and uh -huh. make my own gadgets. I've watched like Spy that. Kids with my kids for sure. That's awesome. Great movie. Yeah. It is. yeah, 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 yeah. I think they turned it into a show, didn't they? Like a series even. I don't know. I know there's a two, a three, and there was a four. Oh, okay. But I don't know if it's a series now. Awesome. You know, I, we may be, I may be thinking of something completely different then. Cause I think our, I think the one that I watched was a, was a, a series or a TV show. I don't, I don't think I actually have seen a movie, but uh, that's cool. Um, so let's talk about um, that process of uh, staying close to home and, and going to the, the hometown um, school, if you will. Um what is there is there a story behind that did you did you were you just drawn to coach faith and 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 the and the her her team or or what i i don't i think this this is a topic that a lot of people need to hear more about and there should be a whole other discussion just about this transition period from high school athletics to college right. um especially because there's not a guidebook you know you're a 17 year old who's still having to ask for the bathroom and then you know the next hour or so selecting a college that will define your later life um yeah. so for me it was just i knew i was good at basketball i knew i was getting scholarships 
And I knew that I was very lucky to have that opportunity, mm-hmm. but I really wanted to know, okay, this is great for four years, mm-hmm. but I wanted to think about in the back of my mind, what about the rest of my life? And I knew I didn't, I loved basketball in high school. I think that love just to be completely transparent dwindled away just because it became a job in college. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew going into like selecting where I wanted to go, I knew that I wanted to have a good academic. Like that was really important because I didn't want to play basketball for the rest of my life. I was just really thankful for the opportunity and wanted to kind of utilize that as a tool. Um, so I got some like offer letters went through. It was like, okay, I'm not going to do D2. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it fully. Yeah. Left it on D1, um, went through, narrowed it down to California. Cause I'm like, I'm, you know, California baby. I need the sun. Like, let's just be real. Right. Um, and then just more how I thought about it. I knew this wasn't going to be, you know, college athletics is not easy. It's, College alone is not easy. So when you add athletics or anything else into the mix, there's you're getting pushed physically, mentally, emotionally, like everything's being pushed. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be close to home because I I knew I would really benefit from having my family support. So like my family never missed a home game. Right. You know, and just kind of having that in my back corner, mm-hmm. just when things really got tough, because they did. Yeah. Um, that was why I went with that decision was that I didn't want to play basketball the rest of my life. I wanted the academics and I wanted to have my family nearby. So that's a little bit of the story. Yeah. And I really appreciate you sharing that, Hannah, because I think it's so important. Um, I've I've talked to so many student athletes over the years who, you know, have, have talked about um, the burnout and, and talk about that, that toll, um, like you just mentioned, that, that physical, emotional, spiritual, psychological, like they just keep going, it just keeps going. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and every college student has that to a certain extent, but when you add on the pressures of, of, um, of intercollegiate athletics and, 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 and the time constraints as well, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it can be overwhelming. And, um, Thankfully, I think we're starting to realize that a little bit more and trying to put in more and more support um, mechanisms in place for student athletes to to help along those lines. But, um, you know, I I appreciate you talking about it so openly. And um, and I think that's I think that's important. Um, Let's talk about that. Let's talk more about that time at Cal Poly. Right. Yeah. um, You know, obviously. Um, obviously, it's a special period for for so many people. No matter no matter where you go to school, it's it's a it's a special period in your life. And um and obviously in slow and and being a hometown um hometown hometown gal and a hometown star on the basketball team, I know you probably have some uh, one. Uh, do you have a a vivid memory that stands out where you're like, I'll never forget that moment at my four years at Cal Poly? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think that's a long a long time ago one and be <laughs> I think yeah. when I was like I like worked really hard mm-hmm. academically and athletically but I think when I heard my name on the starting lineup for the first time like on like the big screen and I uh-huh. saw myself yeah 
all because I did like a thousand shots every day. Like I'm a I'm a I'm naturally pretty uh slender and basketball, you have to have some muscle. So like I was doing a thousand shots every day. I was in the weight room five days a week. Uh-huh. And so to hear like that work paying off and like starting as like a five, like a, a big post. Yeah. That was a pretty rewarding moment. It was like, holy crap. I, okay. I bet that is so cool. That's yeah. so awesome. So what about from a professional development perspective? You know, I, I know Cal Poly or or we all know Cal Poly is is known for learn by doing and, mm-hmm. and learn by doing is our mantra and whatnot. Is there a moment when you look back during your, your college career where you, where you think, wow, from a professional development perspective, um, this really helped propel me into um, into my my career, my professional career? Is there a moment like that? Yeah. Um, so within experience, I should say. Yeah. So I know there's like, I don't, is the thousand hours, is that still a requirement to get your degree? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it was, you know, slow at that point. There was only, there was a lot of options to get those hours in, learn, grow, figure out, meet people. That entire process, there was one program. It was like a equestrian therapy program. Oh yeah. Um, I did. I loved that. Oh my gosh. And I did, I got a large chunk of my hours from working with that group, but it was the learn by doing aspect is it made me realize that like, yes, having a degree is so important, but it's also important to take the time and create those relationships. The relationship I created through those thousand hours, like even just for like sharpening my social skills, um, you know, putting my face with the name, Mm-hmm. you know, showing support, being kind, that alone has adjusted my like outlook on your degree is super helpful, but it's also going to be the connections that get you somewhere. I love it. That was, that was probably the haha. And it was when I was doing that at partners, I think it's, what is it? Pet partners in equestrian therapy. Oh yeah. That was it. That's awesome. Very, very cool. Thanks for sharing that. Um, of and uh, what what great what, what great insight there! I love it. So let's talk about um, our, our current students in particular. Love hearing about the the internship um, that that ended up being your 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 final experience moving out of, of Cal Poly and and into the professional world. Um, tell us about uh, what what you did and what that process was like. How you got the position? All that. Yeah. So I knew once I was done, so I was essentially done with all of my credits and my, my internship was the last thing. So I would walk in, in summer, um, in June, and then I would do my internship and then I would officially be, you know, you've done your internship, you, you know, you're done. Yeah. I knew I wanted to, because I'd been in slow, you know, because central coast my whole life, I wanted to branch out. And so I had family in San Diego and I knew I wanted to do something where I had like an, I'm a really good person who can manage a to-do list. Like I can manage a to-do list like no other. Right. So I knew that was some sort of an events capacity because that was my concentration. Mm-hmm. Um, and from that point, I just reached out to a bunch of businesses in San Diego, mainly downtown, like gathered their email, made um, like a, a, a kick butt email that was like, this is my name. So it in college here, like, here's what I'm looking for. Here's what I can provide. Here's some of my attributes. And I sent those to like maybe 10 or 15 different places in, um, or event, event, um, companies. And I got an internship with an event, um, event company that specialized in corporate events and 
Um, yeah, that was kind of how I got my foot in the door with my internship. That's really awesome. And I love that story because, you know, um, I, I've I've obviously talked to a lot of people through this podcast. And um, and, and that's one of the things that, that I love is hearing the various stories. And and um, and that's the first one I've heard of that, uh, that that you just that you've just shared. And um, what an innovative and and um, and really thought thoughtful way of approaching it right you know and so you know where you want to work and so you target like these downtown businesses and you develop a kick butt uh, uh email and uh wow i love that so let's talk about um let's talk about leading up to what you're currently doing i know uh i know we got everyone excited at the top talking about avatar and um and, and whatnot and film credits and all that but you, you know you had to get there Right. And what, one of the things that that's that's really pretty um, uh, is a thread, you know, for, for your career is project management. And that's, a, you know, I think that relates to like what you're talking about, the to do list and really being good at that. And um, I think some of our students maybe um, overlook project management as a really big skill that, that they're they're getting and coming out of our degree. So let's talk about that process and what it was like living in Manhattan for two years or a little over two years. Um, uh, and obviously that's leading up to, to the pandemic. So we'll, we'll, we'll get there um, from that standpoint. But what was it like working for Go Gather in, in New York City? Yeah, so I graduated and then immediately moved to San Diego, did my internship. And then once my inter- my internship concluded, you know, I was very upfront, like, you know, if there is position, a position here, I'd love to work for you. There, there wasn't sadly. Um, and that's okay. And I knew that going into it. So what I did was same tactic is I, 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 I like, I don't, I don't want to put the preface. I apply for jobs, but I think there's also a, something to really be said about a nice handwritten email or actually a physical letter to companies saying, it's so nice to meet you. Here's all the things that I've done. I'm really interested in a job. If you're not, oh, if you're not hiring, no problem. You know, let me know when you are. I'd love to work with you. And so I did that with again several other companies. But was what was interesting about GoGather is they had a really interesting. Like I would come in as an associate project manager, so I'd get these smaller projects. And throughout my two years. I, so I let me back up. I reached out to them. They didn't have an opening. I got another job as a project manager for a it's GMBI. It's um, business interiors. So like we would have um, Adidas as client, and they'd want to have their workspace revamped, and so I'd be the project manager for that. You know um, that remodel. So it was super cool, but it wasn't like I was, there's more to this than just offices. I want to get out of the office. I want to, you know, travel. And so before I got that job, I had reached out to GoGather saying, I'd really like to work with you. I love what you're doing. And they responded saying, you know, we're not, we're not hiring right now. So that's why I did the GMBI Mm -hmm. job. And then a few months later, I think it was seven or eight months. Mm -hmm. I kept in contact. I got an email that says, we're hiring. Are you interested? And immediately I was like, yep, I'm interested. When are you like, let's, let's, let's do it. Um, What was cool about this job is it was remote. It was completely remote before COVID. So Uh, I moved to Manhattan by choice. I was 23, 22. Um, I was like, I'm traveling 
for work. I'm traveling throughout the United States. I'm traveling to Europe to do some of these corporate events, to do some of these project events. Yeah. Let's just move to New York. And it actually benefited the company as well because they weren't flying someone from LA to New York, from New York to like Europe. It was just Mm -hmm. Hannah's already there. So I put myself in a really good spot by doing that too. Wow. Love it. That's so great. Yeah. Um, And I was there for that company two and a half months or two and a half years, excuse me. And then it started transition with COVID to virtual events. And I was back inside and I was like, Oh no, like I don't. So that's kind of where like COVID made me have to take a pause. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Well, let's stop. Let's stop for a second and tell us, yeah. tell us about New York city. What was it like for a, for a Cayucos, uh, more Bay girl to, uh, end up in New York city right there in smack dab in Manhattan. Yeah. Like, Oh man, I, I going into it, I don't think people actually believed me because I had picked a date. I was like September 17th. I am moving. Like I said this, like in March of like earlier that year, I had not bought my ticket yet. I had not found a place to live yet, but I said September 17th, that is the day I'm moving to New York. Uh And I sold, and I, I like, you know, like the go big or go home type thing. Yeah, I yeah. completely went for it. Like I sold my car. I sold, I was like, we're doing this. So I yeah. sold like a lot of my stuff. I fit everything that I had into two and a half, like a two suitcases and then like a carry-on uh-huh. <laughs> and took a red eye, signed a lease when I got there and was like, let's get it. And just like, wow. So that was the... I have to say that New York was probably one of the hardest, but best decisions I've ever done because I didn't know anyone. I knew I just kind of like plopped myself Mm -hmm. in a place that was so uncomfortable. That had to challenge you to get out of your comfort for sure there, huh? Oh yeah. It was like, I think the first, the first, like, I remember when I pulled, like, cause I lived in a six story walk up and I had Mm -hmm. all my suitcases and I carried them up to the top after signing my lease Mm -hmm. and I dropped them and I closed the door and I was like, what have I just done? There's, <laughs> what have I like? There's no one around. You can hear like it's, I, and I'm also go there, go home. I'm yeah. smack dab in the middle of Manhattan. Like I'm not like oh Brooklyn, it's quiet. Nope, like we're we're in it. Manhattan. We're it. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was uh, it was a crazy ride. I learned a lot about myself. Yeah. Um. I also really got to meet some great people. Um. Just, I would go like to Eventbrite, find an event, go over to it. It was scary. It was, I was scared all the time. I'm like, I don't know anyone. I don't know yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah. Like, how do I even get to the event? We're going to subway this. All right. right. Half right. the time I would be going the wrong direction. That's right. okay. <laughs> and tell yeah. Us ma- your, tell yeah. us your favorite spot in the city. What was your, t- tell us like, did you find a favorite spot or did you have a, a really a, a wonderful place that you ate or a park or or anything like that? So I found by the uh, the miracle, I don't know, I'm very much one who believes like in the law of attraction that you manifest what you want. I found a killer apartment that was four blocks, four blocks away from Central Park. Uh-huh. And it was on 63rd and 3rd. And it was totally, it was super cheap, just got redone again by the grace of all the good stuff. I I got super lucky. Um, yep. So my favorite park was Central Park. It's oh, right in, it's like right when you walk in, it's essentially 
trying to think if you come from the east side i was like on the, i wasn't quite upper east i was like right when central park begins mm. so i was four blocks over and so it was like maybe a 10 minute walk and it was just the trees are super like lush especially in spring yeah. and in the summer and you go into the middle of it and it just gets so quiet yeah that that was my favorite if i ever needed like a reset button i would just go walk to the park and just like that it's quiet yeah. Um, and that's what it's supposed to do, right? That yeah. These urban parks. And, and obviously that's the, that's the one that's like the symbol for all the rest. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah so cool. Yeah. And then I, cause I lived pretty up, like a lot of my friends that I ended up making were East village. Um, uh, they're more on the lower financial right. district on the lower part of, uh, Manhattan. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I would find myself down there, but there was also this coffee shop and I think it's still there. It's called Java girl. Uh -huh. It's on 64th and first. And it's just barrels of like freshly roasted coffee that they have imported. And you tell them which one you want and they'll scoop it, grind it and pour it over. And I'm, that was, oh. Oh, that's it. That's yeah. it right there. That was yeah. one thing about cities. You get some good coffee, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they 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 uh they have to up their game in cities uh, with with good coffee. You either get really good or really bad, right? It's, <laughs> it's one or the other. Um, right. So so let's talk about um, let's talk now about what you're what you're doing. And obviously, it's pretty exciting. I've been following you. I've been seeing all the credits and and whatnot. But but let's start with with you telling us. Um, uh, uh, what, what is a, a, a technical project manager? Like, what do you, what do you do on a daily basis? Yeah. So I get asked this question a lot because it's so broad. Okay. Um, um, so essentially what I do is I am the technical project manager for 20th century studios and searchlight pictures from a production technology capacity. So this day and age, everything is cloud-based. Everything, you know, from laptops to huge amounts of storage where like a movie is stored to virtual machines where there's like state of the art um, editing and cutting tools, um, things like that. So that's kind of my realm. Um, I am the production facing project manager. So I will meet with um, like producers, um, editorial members, and they'll meet with my director and I. They'll give us. Um, you know, here's what we need. Here's where we're going, you know, and sometimes it's, you know, LA, New York, sometimes it's like the most remote locations of all time. And like we had one that was in Namibia. It's already been released. So all of the stuff I'm able to talk about is right. already released. Right. Um, so anything in regards to like remote work, um, the only thing I do not do is I don't touch the camera. The camera is an entirely different department because all of that is concerned with like dailies. So like, for example, if you're shooting a movie, you have your camera, there's, it's hooked up network wise to three different locations. One, it's like an archival place, it's like a vault, mm -hmm. um, um, a post-production facility who's taking all of that camera and just like coding it and cutting it and then sending it to editors. And then the third is just like an external hard drive. All of that is another process in its own. I am basically, if you're a VFX editor or visual effects or special effects, uh -huh. editorial, or someone on the more post-production end, uh -huh. I'm your best friend. Got you. Got yeah. you. That's so cool. And, and you know, I... I, as you're talking, I'm, I'm like thinking, um, what, what a terrible, uh, host I am an interviewer. I am, I, I should have asked, like, how did you, 
you know what everyone's probably thinking and so we we got to move we got to go back a little bit <laughs> sorry that's um, all right how did you end up how did you end up with a with a position with um with such a you, you know um hollywood and 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 um the movie industry it seems like one of those like really really hard um industries to break into so so tell us how you got the job yeah. So once I finished the job with GoGather and events became virtual, mm-hmm. um, I had already moved. I was in Manhattan for about a year and a half. I moved to LA and was doing a job with um, a company called Luxury Presence. And it's where I started to get really fascinated and learn about the technical industry because there's a lot. It's always evolving. It mm-hmm. never stays stagnant, which I love. Yeah. To me, like insanity for who I am is standing still. I have to be learning. I have to be developing. I have to be doing something. If I'm doing the same thing every day, yeah, I go nuts. Yeah. So that's where I was like, okay, this, there's no cap to this. Things will all, there's always going to be something new entering this like realm. Yeah. So that's where I started to first get introduced to the more technical side of things. Uh-huh. Um, from there, I reached out to a consulting company. I was there for about a year and a half. And then I reached out to a consulting company who was just looking at project managers. Is like, hey, you know, if you're, we're a great agency, you can be like an eight, like work with us, and we can always ensure you have access to these higher to reach jobs. It's called Blue Pisces. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend the CEO Damien, kindest human. Um, and I was like, oh, this is a great opportunity. You know, I have someone who has access to, you know, things that are hard to get in realms that are hard to get into. So, you know, Hollywood business, things like that. And I wasn't like dead set on it. Um, but I was like, this is an opportunity and I'm never someone that's going to turn down, even if, the, even if it's just a conversation, right? an opportunity. Here you go. Like, here's my resume. Let me know if you're interested in chatting, if you think I should be doing something different. And so I met with him and he's like, okay, I usually don't do this right away, but there's a job that we have available for, I didn't really get a lot of details. It, I, they said it was for Disney. Um, which I'm not like a huge, I love, you know, movies and theme parks. I wasn't like, I don't have, you know, Disney, a Mickey mouse on my cup. I, I understand, but I wasn't like a, I'm going to, you know, make out with my coffee cup. Cause there's a Mickey mouse on it type thing. Right. Um, but I was like, okay, that's interesting. And the more I learned about it, it was like, okay, this is a production technical role. Okay. That's still quite broad. And I just kind of had this gut feeling that I was like, okay, I need to apply for this. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And I, um, you know, I learned more about the role. And as I got closer to like the final stages, they were like, this is the technical project management role for 20th century and searchlight. And I was like, oh, heck yeah. Because mm. I guess it wasn't until recently, actually, I realized the alignment. I've been obsessed with the movie Titanic since I was probably two. I didn't understand <laughs> a lot of what was going on. I liked the music and I liked the ocean. I didn't understand anything else. Right. But 20th Century Fox, before it became 20th Century Studios, mm-hmm. made Titanic. And I was like, yep, there it is. I'm on it. Let's do it. Next stage. Like, full let's circle. get rolling. Yep. Full, full circle. circle. <laughs> and so, <Stars> line. <laughs> yep, they offered me the job. So I think it was a lot of like, Knowing that I worked, I worked really hard. Like I, I'm a hard worker. I will 100% confidently say that. Like I put that on my resume. Like I will work harder than I just. That's who I am. Right. Um. 
going back to my mom, I think it's also something that I got to watch. And with basketball in college, like there isn't a 50%, there's zero or a hundred, which I think there's a balance to, but I'm still learning. Right. right. Um, but through just like listening to my gut, working really hard, having those network practices, I, I, I think because I never turned down an interview, even if it was something that didn't, I wasn't a hundred percent I would be interested in just getting in front of like someone and just practicing like selling here's what I am. Here's what I do. Here's what I stand for. I can guarantee you this, this, and this, and having a confidence mm-hmm. that really allowed me to have access to, you know, harder to gain access to spots job wise. Right. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So let's, uh, let's, let's talk to talk, uh, about, uh, the latest and the greatest, um, you, you know, and, and I've been, I've been remiss because I've just been saying Avatar 2 and I'm supposed to be saying Avatar 2 way of the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. <laughs> so, so tell us, um, you know, obviously you have a, you have a lot of credits, um, as a, as a technical project manager. Um, but, but I, I imagine that this one is special, right? Um, <laughs> and and, uh, and so, tell us about it, and um, and tell us about what you did, and, and and what that was like. That moment of um, sitting in the audience, and I know you said you weren't sure whether you were going to actually be on the credits, and you're like sitting there waiting for it at the end, right? Um, was it like that, or did you know before you went into the studio? I I was afraid to ask. Because I knew that there was a potential of just because there's so many people yeah. that have touched that movie. Yeah. Um, and if, if you if you ever have like five minutes, go onto YouTube and type in, you know, Avatar 2 making the way of the water. Uh-huh. It shows you like how much effort went into making that movie. Because essentially it's the actors just with like special dots on their face, a camera strapped down from their head and they're in these like gray bodysuits. Yeah. And everything is completely changed. Even their faces. Like the only, the only thing that really gets to keep are like the facial expressions. Yeah. Um, but back to your question. So Avatar 2 compared to my other projects, my other, each project that I work on, just because they take so long, I'm involved in the process of a, of a movie from pre-production, which is around, you know, four to six months long, the production yeah. phase, which is about a month to two months, all the way to post, which in some instances can be a year and a half. In Avatar, it happened to be 10. I was obviously not a part of the full 10. Right. Um, but each production, so like the first production that I worked on ever, was prey Uh, um so that one was like i cried it was just like oh like it was just kind of like that seeing your name on a banner like going for a basketball game it was like uh oh my god and of course you never really know if you're gonna make it right because it's like it was just crazy and that 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 movie itself had like we were in calgary we were in the most remote locations. It was like, I wasn't there, but my team was. And I'm like, yeah. you guys got this. You got to figure this out. And it was just really cool. And then... Yeah, that's awesome. So for Avatar, I wasn't involved in the pre-production or pre-production production part at all. Because that existed. You know, it's been sitting ready to be delivered and watched appropriately for the last 10 10 maybe eight to 10 years. I'm not sure when James officially, Mr. Cameron, I should say, yeah. started on it. Um, I heard him, I heard him, I, I heard Mr. Cameron um, talking on a podcast and I was blown away by that. Yeah, he it was, 
it was your yeah you're exactly right it was like eight to ten years mm -hmm. ago or whatever yeah it so was wild. just it was so wild and he just waited so patiently i think when you have something like that to have the patience because it has to be done right right just right. To, like it's got to be and there's so many versions. So that's kind of where my role came in. I was more on the post-production delivery side of things. Mm -hmm. So as some people know, if, or if you don't know, Avatar 2 Way of the Water is the most, has the most amount of versions as any other movie in history. Oh, wow. So there's frame per second, which there's usually 24 uh, or se seconds per frame or 48 seconds per frame. It just depends on how quickly you change shots, mm -hmm. um, the speed at which you see it really. Mm -hmm. There's um, HFF or excuse me, um, high frame rate, HFR. I always get those two backwards. Mm -hmm. That one's where you have more frames, same time, mm -hmm. um, 3D, Dolby Vision, IMAX, um, in China, they have movie theaters that are make ours kind of look like child's play. So it's mm. called China Giant Screen. So I think there was over 24 different versions of this film. Whoa. Um, and the post-production location, and this is all online, is in New Zealand. So we had to figure out how, via the cloud and other resources, mm -hmm. how all of these teams were going to work together to send this mm -hmm. movie to you know la get it retouched finished you know there's obviously closed captions there's you know the avatar language mm -hmm. um there's other languages so my involvement was okay how do i make sure that the route i was kind of the route lady i was in charge and management of okay i've built a bridge not me but the engineers that i work with we need to make sure this bridge does not break and this bridge is available at all times mm. That was kind of my role at a very high level. Got you. Mm -hmm. So I so um, help help me out here, and, and yeah. I think maybe I might be, might be able to help others too. So I know, like, when I finish a project and I have a report, and it's like a big report that I need, you know, a big report in in PDF, right? Mm -hmm. and that, that's over like five uh, uh, five um, megabytes or whatever, right? And trying to send it, I can't send it via email. I have to like come up with a different way to get it there. Mm -hmm. Is that what like is that essentially what you're doing, but on on a like huge, widespread, big basis? Is that kind of it? Kind of. Um, so this is where it gets complicated is obviously you can't send a three hour movie via, and there's more things than just the cloud. There's other components, um, uh, but you have to break it down. And there are certain versions so you can do like a TIFF or a JPEG or wraps where everything is wrapped together in certain um, packages. Gotcha. So we had to break this movie down into little teeny tiny pieces yeah and send it okay. so that's where the managerial aspect came in okay i'm sending parts you know sending and then it goes over it has uh -huh. to be confirmed it goes to the proper post location because we had multiple post productions working on this project we had multiple teams multiple colorists multiple locations it wasn't just stop in la and it's done and right. you got to send it back so it can get approval right there's all of these little pieces that are yeah, that's where. Yes, but yes, that's correct. It's an imagine, email. Yeah, yeah. I imagine. Um, I imagine you don't need attention to detail for your job at all. Oh, you, no. can just, you can just do it with your eyes closed. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh yeah. No. Yeah, you know, uh, you, you just gave me a, like a lot of uh, fuel for um, 
for APA and senior project and attention to detail when I say, yeah, that comma matters or that italics matters, you know, it's like, yeah, you, you, you can't screw up, <laughs> you, know? No. you know, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be done right. Um, well, wow. That's just so fascinating, Hannah. I just, I, I just love it. And we're so, we're so proud of you. Um, you, you know, I, I do want to, I do want to ask you, you know, this, uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier, you know, when I said that that project management is something that maybe some of our students don't think about as, as a skill that they're building, right? And mm-hmm. one of the things I love about event planning in particular, your your concentration, is that you're you're building skills that are transferable to any environment, right? Because mm-hmm. it's planning, it's organization, it's communication skills, it's leadership skills, it's attention to details, like all these things, right? That can transfer to any environment. And and um, you know, I I I it it feels like to me that project management is definitely maybe something that 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 our students m- might overlook. Is it would you would you agree there? Like, um, do you feel like we helped prepare you for these roles that you've taken? Even though, obviously, you know, you've been talking about some technical stuff that, that's obviously way over my head and that that I don't know anything about. Um, but but that that nuts and bolts, those transferable skills. Do you do you feel pretty good about your preparation at Cal Poly for those types of skills? Um, I I believe so. I think it's hard to tell because a lot of the you know. I don't think anything can really train you or prepare you for some of the project that I've signed myself up for. Right. But right. what I what I will say is 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 two things. First is the learning by doing ah. has been so insanely helpful because it's allowed me to I, I you just learn better. So like if I'm confused, I figure it out. I call someone, I go attend a class, I go like I don't sit yeah. and try to think figure it out for myself. Mm-hmm. I need to do it. I need to be able to ask, okay, let me try and maybe fail. But like watch, like come watch and help me. You know, that's how I've figured out that I learned and that's how I've yeah. quickly caught on yeah. is that fear of not failing mm-hmm. or if I am going to I'm learning so yeah. I have to learn by doing it which is astronomically allowed because I didn't I didn't go to I don't have an insane tech background right I just don't I just took it onto myself to realize okay this is the industry I'm interested in yeah it's ever evolving and changing mm-hmm. um I'm gonna study I'm gonna ask for help I'm gonna jump in I'm gonna I'm okay with being wrong mm-hmm. that's okay it's just taking action and that was kind of the the super baseline. And then of course, some of the managerial classes that I took, I think with you, uh, with um, Jerusa, Dr. Other, the other Dr. Greenwood as well. Yeah, and yeah. then um, Marnie Goldenberg. Yeah. Dr. Goldenberg. Yeah. So a lot of those come together. Yeah. Um, but the yeah. basis of just not being afraid to actually do. Yeah. I love that. I love yeah. that. I love that. I love that thread that you've also mentioned a few times that lifelong learning you know we 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 hope that I mean any any college university it, it hopes that that they're fostering um a, a spirit of lifelong learning in, in their in their students and I just think that learn by doing fosters it more you know I mean yeah. I I think about my own college experience and even though obviously I love the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and you know obviously I grew up a basketball fan and all of that but when I think back to my experience in the classroom 
it was very disengaged. It was very passive and it almost sucked the love of learning out of me, you mm-hmm. know? And, um, and that's one of the things that I think um, makes a, a place like Cal Poly different is that learn by doing, we're hopefully, um, you know, just wetting your appetite for being a, a lifelong learner. And that's what you've done. And um, I just, I can't, I can't tell you enough how proud of, of you we are. And, um, you know, just hearing that spirit of, of, um, of, of wanting not being super techie or not being, uh, you know, necessarily into that, but then like learning all of this stuff, like, it's just so awesome and so cool. So my last uh, my last question for you is um, if you when you when you think back and um, if if you can um, if you could give junior Hannah junior year Hannah some advice uh, what advice would you would you give yourself now? Um, it's a great. I think of just one. I think I put a lot of pressure on myself. I think others do too, to have it all figured out. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, okay, you're junior, you're going to graduate next year. What's the plan? And I think when you put a plan in in place, life has a tendency to kind of like chuckle, you know, like, oh, that's, that's nice. (laughs) I think just to, yeah, to remind myself that it's okay to not have things figured out. This is the time in your life where you're supposed to try and not like something and go out and learn and live and Mm -hmm. just really trying to like take a breath and take the pressure off of like, you need to have your whole life planned out because it just, it's, I wish I would have done that a bit more rather than stress about the fact like, Oh my God, I'm graduating next year. And I, you know, we need to get a job. We need to do this. We need to do this. Right, 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 right. Well, I, um, I I love that answer. And I, I have to say that, um, you know, I, a part of me thinks to myself, like, maybe I need to stop asking that question because, um, I've been asking it probably the last 10 to 20 podcasts. And I would say 80% of the people that I talk to, um, have answered in a very, Mm -hmm. very similar way. But then I say, I check myself and I go, no, you know what? Um, our our current students need to hear that over and over and over and over and over again. So I'm going to keep asking it because it, I think it's so true. I I remember like waking up and, and I was, I was unlike most of our students, you know, I was a disengaged undergraduate who all I really cared about was partying. And I woke up um, one, uh, you know, spring of my senior year from a four year hangover. And it it hit me like, oh, my God, what am I going to do with my life? Like, I don't have this figured out at all. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, and I I, but I think it's different for Cal Poly students. and And I keep hearing it, like I said, over and over that hey, give yourself some grace, give yourself some space to realize you don't have to have it all figured out. And, and you, you know, I do see students come into my office and they're like, that you could just tell that they don't like this not having it figured out thing, you know? And, uh, and so uh, I think it's such great advice and um, just want to thank you so much for taking the time today. And, um, and uh, folks, when you, when you go out, if you haven't seen it, the maybe uh, two people that haven't seen Avatar, Avatar <laughs> 2, Way of the Water, next time you watch it, um, uh, look for Hannah Gilbert and the credits, uh, sit there and be like, hey, that's Cal Poly. Uh, <laughs> that's, right. that's one of our alums. So, uh, so proud of you. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you for having me on. Of course. See ya. See ya. Bye.